0: Um, But I tell you the thing Mm. for me that was absent from the study, which still amazes me every time, is how you think affects your hormones or your health. That was crucial. So if you are anxious about your weight, uh, anxious about missing training, pushing through the injury we discussed, that just having that mindset can affect your health. So it's this mind-body connection again. So that is really so fundamental, the good education, the good information.
1: Welcome to the Balance Ballerinas podcast. I'm Georgia Canning, a qualified ballet teacher of adults and children, and I'm also a studio owner and founder of Balance Ballerinas, amongst many other things. I drop episodes of the pod every second week, and I've been doing so for well over two years now. And just wanted to say welcome. I'm so glad that you have found this wonderful community that is really truly fueled by a mutual love of ballet and healthy dancers. Now, as you can tell from the title of this podcast episode, I really wanted you to click and listen. So, thank you for doing just that. You've taken the first step to accessing some incredibly important information that will not only change perhaps some preconceived views on things that are often, I guess, normalized in the dance world, but also bring you one step closer to being a more supportive teacher, parent, or dancer. One of the most popular episodes of the Balanced Ballerinas podcast is my conversation with Lululemon ambassador, ex-dancer, now yoga teacher, teen guru, and soon-to-be author Alex Mazarol, affectionately known as Ali Maz. And if you're an OG listener of the podcast, you will remember way back to episode number 36 when Ali and I discussed period positivity and the importance of not only normalizing but celebrating our womanhood in a world such as dance that typically demonises menstrual cycles. To this day, I still have Parents of Dance's message to thank me for, an episode that really provided the space for them to have an open and honest conversation with their daughters, whether it was on the way to school or dance, whilst listening to the episode in the car. Honestly, every time I receive one of these messages, it just makes me smile. I feel like today's episode will be as impactful as my one with Ali. Both Dr. Nicola Kay and Dr. Stephanie Potrek are pioneers and huge advocates of dancers' mental and physical health around the world. And whilst Ali's episode comes with lots of personal stories and heartfelt messages, Nikki and Stephanie have brought all the facts to the table to further strengthen that message. The dance world typically views getting your period as a sign of unwanted weight gain or the end of the, now I'm using very much quotation marks here, air quotes, ideal pubescent body type that especially the ballet world seem to be obsessed with. But these two amazing women have had enough and they are spreading the message that periods are not only a marker of health, but also crucial to mindset, recovery and performance. Let's start with Stephanie who is a former dancer turned doctor and sports nutritionist specializing in the treatment of relative energy deficiency in sport, also known as REDS, and amenorrhea, I knew I was going to stuff up that word, amenorrhea, which is the medical description for the absence of menstrual periods. Steph also offers a wonderful webinar called Leap with another former guest of the podcast, psychologist Philippa Zeigenhart. Hello, Philippa. And this program assists students and parents with the transition to living, eating, adjusting and performing when training overseas. Honestly, what a fantastic offering. I mean, even though I didn't move overseas, the move from Queensland to Victoria alone for my own training was enough of a huge mission, you know, draining both physically and mentally. And I would have loved to have a program like this. And well, Nikki, she's an honorary clinical lecturer in medicine at the University College of London, research fellow in the Department of Sport and Exercise Science at Durham University, a member of the British Association of Sport and Exercise Medicine, and a speaker on dance endocrinology for the National Institute of Dance Medicine and Science. On top of all this, Nikki is also a qualified ballet and Pilates teacher and her aim is to redefine optimal health and fitness for the individual. So what's my own aim with this episode? Well, if you're a ballet or dance teacher, I hope that you use this information wisely and I hope that you point students in the right direction. And let's all just make a pact to just stop with the normalisation of Pubescent bodies in ballet. If you're a parent of a dancer, please understand that their needs are different to your own. They are athletes and they need to be treated as such. So if they're going for an extra portion of food at dinner time, they're intuitively eating. They need that extra meal. They don't have a sedentary lifestyle like the average person. It's so important. And I guess if you're a student dedicating a great deal of life to your dance training, well, please don't forget that your health is a massive piece of the puzzle. And the healthier you are, the better you will dance. It's as simple as that. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Nikki and Dr. Stephanie. Welcome, Steph and Nikki, to the Balance Ballerinas podcast. I'm really excited to have you guys here today. We've already been talking about the fact that I'm so excited. Um, I've given you a lovely intro at the start, so I figured that would save some time to get stuck straight into the nitty-gritty so that um, all the parents and students can really just sit back and listen to this episode and soak up all the really valuable information that you guys provide for the dance community. So first of all, welcome. And now you're officially part of the Balanced Ballerinas community.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Georgia.
1: I, um, I wanted to get stuck straight into something that I know that you're both passionate about, the fact that it's really important for teachers and nutritionists and psychologists and doctors to stay in their own lane. So meaning, you know, to stick to what they know and help stop the spread of, I guess, misinformation, which is just so... over social media so what are your thoughts about about that at the moment in our current social media climate
2: yeah it's it's good you're starting with this question because actually when nikki and i met earlier this week we were discussing exactly this this particular question um and uh, well i think maybe we should think about like how could it come to the situation that we find ourselves in today and i think um it does start with that the dance world, especially ballet kind of never has made the connection that why dancing a dancer's body is actually, or just functions like that of an athlete. Um, And so what happens on a physiological basis is exactly the same. Um, And then on top dancers are required to make it effortless and tell a story, which just really takes it um, to the next level from being an athlete. Um, But the, physiological functions that was never considered to be the same of an athlete. And so it was never looked at. And I think this is where a lot of misinformation actually stems from because it's never been looked at. Well, our Olympic athletes, how they are being looked at and you know, like what kind of treatments do they get? That was like, no, that's a totally, that's, that's two entities. So we don't need to look at them. And so everyone would just say what they thought was right. If that makes sense. Um, and um, so a lot of what we hear today from our patients and clients is actually very much influenced by diet culture, which is, as you mentioned, very prevalent on social media, um, where you would just follow someone who maybe is a principal dancer with a company um, and then tells you to count calories or so. Um, I mean, there's this, we could just do a separate episode on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there's just so much um, about this. And that's one of these yeah, very repetitive um, things we, we come across every single day in clinic where teachers with no nutritional background at all give out advice they found themselves somewhere or they have been told somewhere and this influences um, growth development and really physical and mental health of the dancers or dance students they are teaching. Um, it's not so I don't want to blame the teachers alone here not at all um, because Nikki and I we do struggle quite a bit with our own profession as well and I did this really recently where you said, Oh, thank you for making this jam. But I was so furious actually when I was making it, because we see so often that young dancers lose their periods. And then the GP, the family GP, goes like, Well, yeah, look at you, you are so fit. That's totally fine. Nothing to worry about when there's plenty to worry about.
1: So Well that happens. That's to my me. part.
2: Yeah. So whenever whenever I, I see
1: those stories that you put up about, you know, it not being normal. All I was told as a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old was that, oh, it's completely normal. George is just a really fit person. It's really common in
0: athletes. Mm. I think also just to Mm. add to what Steph has said that just because something is common doesn't make doesn't actually make it normal. So True. the fact all women, whatever your age, I mean, from the age of whenever you start your periods to when you finish them at menopause, you, women should have regular periods. That, mm. that is normal physiology. So if you don't, for example, a female dance, it doesn't matter whether you're a dancer an athlete or, or not doing any exercise, you should have regular periods. But just because we see some dancers that aren't having their periods doesn't now suddenly make that normal physiology we don't suddenly say, oh, lots of people are getting type 2 diabetes, that's now normal. So I think that's, uh, you know, we've got to remember that the body is an amazing thing. uh, And it's got certain things, uh, physiological functions, and if one or many of those are not up to speed, that's just not healthy, let alone good for your dancing. But I think also, like Steph said, to emphasize, we're not Putting blame on anybody, but what we're saying is actually, shouldn't we all be working together—the together. multidisciplinary team approach? So, if you're a if you're a teacher and you are a bit concerned, you notice a dancer, uh, you know, is just looking really fatigued, maybe a little bit on the thin side. Actually, why not put them in contact with someone who does know about this, uh, mm. you know, a, a qualified person and give them advice, and vice versa. Um, I mean, I'm a medical doctor, but unlike Steph, I haven't got particular qualification in, in nutrition uh, and dietetics. So I can give a certain amount of advice, but if I come to the point, well, actually, I think now this needs uh, more specialist input, then I reach out to you know, some colleagues, at uh, Stairfor, if it's in, the, in England. You know, so I think also uh, we as professionals um, also have a responsibility not to assume that we have we're well, omnipotent and omni you know whatever we, we we have to be our humble ourselves and know yeah. when we need to ask for uh, advice and input from colleagues and that makes it the best combination uh for these yeah. dancers Do you agree Definitely. steph we need to draw yeah. on everyone's expertise for this for uh, the health yeah. of the dancer i find Absolutely. as a oh <laughs> don't you love zoom lag
1: i find i find as a teacher Um, when I first started teaching very young, I definitely probably tried to be an expert at everything because I feel like sometimes as a teacher, you're almost expected to know everything. And I know certainly with my adult clients, they'll come out and ask me something very specific about an injury. And I'll just be like, Oh, I, sorry. Like I can give you a referral onto XYZ. Um, but I actually, and they sort of look at you like, Oh, why don't you know? Like, and I consider myself And I hope I'm an expert in ballet, but Mm -hmm. when it comes to body conditioning, any kind of body conditioning exercises I do, I most certainly um, will take a video of something or an idea and I'll send it to um, my go to uh, physio and I'll be like, what do you think about this? And we workshop it and she sends it back and it's vetted before it even gets to the student. And then one thing, though, that I do find, which I do want to talk about is that I do find it really difficult with perhaps something, let me pick an example, like like nutrition, where I feel like a student is struggling and they've said to me, yeah, I haven't had breakfast. I didn't eat lunch. I wasn't hungry. And I really want, um, I just, you know, at night, I just eat some chips and I'm good and I go to bed. And I'm like, and I say, because obviously that's not very healthy. And I feel like you really need to look at your food more as fuel, but I'll have a chat to the parent just quietly. And I'll just say, look, why don't you, um, you know, I might point them in the direction of a nutritionist, but I find it really hard to get the parent to actually take them to the nutritionist or take them to the scoliosis specialist or take them to the physio. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's a, me as a teacher, I find it really difficult. I completely hear what you guys are saying and and I sort of am like, how can I get the parent to take it serious enough to then take in that next step to the professional? Does that make sense? Because they sort of want yes, me to fix well, yes, everything. And like,
0: I think you're absolutely right. And, and in a way, you do have a responsibility. Mm. And obviously, as a caring teacher, if you notice this, and speaking to the parents, of course, one has to anyway if, if they're under 16 or whatever, but you have to just do I think you just have to I mean even as a doctor, uh, you know it's sometimes difficult. We give the advice, but we're not ultimately we're not policemen. Yeah, we can't true. go and do it so we we all we can do is do our best and advise and you know encourage i mean also the other thing that I found sometimes useful, um, maybe Steph will agree that you know dancers, patients who are sort of resistant to hearing. <laughs> <laughs> the advice uh, i understand by the way um, you know sometimes a n- more non-confrontational ways is, is say oh why don't you have a look at this website so of course like for example steph's website yeah. my website i've also written a website uh, specifically about fueling relative energy deficiency Port reds uh the british association of sports and exercise medicine so that's like a non-threatening way of saying to the parent oh well look um, this is a really great website. And on the website, I'm mm. talking about the Bayes M1, the British Association of Sports and Exercise Medicine. Um, it's got separate pages for the dancer or athlete, for the parent, for the healthcare professional. So maybe uh, pointing the parents in the direction of these resources so they can see actually this is potentially mm. something, a thing, an issue, something that they do actually as a parent, need to look at and not just as a parent listen you don't want <laughs> you know you want the best for your child but also you don't really want to you want to think that they haven't got a problem but actually mm-hmm. you, there comes a limit when maybe we what well, they have to accept that and also on that website there's a page for the healthcare professional so for you know some of uh if it's difficult to persuade the doctor that actually yes it's not normal for a for a, a you know a female to have periods you can show them that page um and it's like official you know what I mean so yeah. what do you think Steph do you think that might be a way of of some yeah, no, the yeah. conversation
2: um absolutely I mean we I think we've talked very often about um that parents I'll agree that is overlooked too often actually mm. um, and that we need to get them on board a bit more which is why Nikki and I are preparing a course for parents um, like the development of the young and adolescent dancer and um, then up until when they are young um, adults um, and I think also this is the reason why this non-threatening way that you need to approach mm. them in a non-threatening way or at least that's our experience um, but that is why we are creating um, more and more online courses because that means they can book those um, via our, our websites. Um, they can, like you know, like take up all this information and process it, and then in the end, if they want to come back for one-on-one um, like sessions or like um, a couple of those, um, that's fine then. But they are already in a very different um, position, and it's not the same place. Um, that we are picking them up. Um, so if you like refer someone who's never been to a dietitian before and doesn't even really know why a dietitian might be very, very helpful, um, then this one-on-one scenario really is quite yeah a threatening um, scenario, as Nikki said. Um, but if you've got time to review video material that is like an hour, 90 minutes, two hours, that's suddenly a completely different
0: story somehow yeah yeah the background information um uh, for the parents and the child because listen you know as a parent i know you want the best for your child but sometimes it's 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 tricky because you've got you're so obviously biased that you think that your child is is everything's fine and also you don't want to think that maybe you are doing supporting them in in a you know uh so that they can't achieve their best so again this is not something about blaming it's the teacher's fault it's the parent's fault it's this fault or whatever it's not it's no we're not talking about fault we're talking about working as a team so everyone is on the same page because ultimately it's the health of the dancer health and the performance of the dancer whether they choose to become a professional or not you know it doesn't matter but so that they can enjoy their dancing and get the most out of the dancing and so that's really what what we're talking about isn't it
1: definitely let's flip the switch say you don't have a teacher like me perhaps that is feeding some misinformation about you know what the student should be eating maybe restricting what they should be eating but as we all know young students are incredibly attached to their teachers and maybe as a parent you would just take them out and find a new teacher but that would be even worse because the student would be so unhappy because they actually really love their teacher how do you how do you approach I've heard you talk a little bit about this but how would you approach the teacher either a as the parent or B as the student that thank you for that information but I'm not going <laughs> to be taking it on board do you know what I mean like it's it's a real mm-hmm. tricky one it's really yeah. tricky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. What do we say? I don't know. Leave that to Steph because it's the hottest question there is. But it's it's just (laughs) Um, all I'm going to say is while Steph's thinking of something, um, you know how to uh, address that. uh, I'm just going to say it's all about having those conversations. It's a conversation about anything. It happens to be we're talking about this, but it's those really uncomfortable conversations which you have to just and as a you know especially as a dancer, there are going to be tough times, especially if I'm sure you'll agree. uh, If you go on to, you know, in life, there are really tough conversations. It's so easy just to avoid them. It's like, Oh, I can't do that. But actually doing it sooner, the longer you leave it, the worse it becomes. So it doesn't have to be confrontational. It just has to be a conversation just like, Oh, could I just have a word please, you know, with the teacher and, and and like that. Um, I know it's difficult, but it's better to yeah. do it sooner than later rather than just leave it and leave it, and then and then the next thing you know, you know, the the young student is in a really bad way. What do you That's think,
2: true. Steph? Yeah, um, it, it, oh, this is probably really mm. the most difficult situation in this whole process, probably. Yeah. I found um, it difficult I mean, just
1: asking the question yeah. to you guys, like. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, it, it is. And I mean, I must admit, sometimes when you get to know your patient and, you know, their, their teacher has such a sense of, let's say, entitlement, there is no way you discuss it with them without this, you know, being taken out on the student then eventually. So um, that's the moment when I'm like, okay, you know, this is a very safe setting here. We are discussing the facts and you know that what's been discussed in class is not correct this is not the right information students your age should be getting um so that goes one ear in and out the other that that is kind of an extreme situation but every now and then I actually have to say it um because I really get that the students want they love their teachers of course um maybe that changes a bit the moment they can acknowledge there's something going terribly wrong in class actually with all the advice they are getting and maybe they have felt the effects on their mental and physical well-being already so kind of this this may change um at any point um but on the other hand yes you know it depends on where they are you can't just change schools all the time um and mm. so and that doesn't some have, the Some problem, have to be in it? this environment. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it is always good um, if parents and kids are of the same opinion and they feel the same about the situation, and then address the teacher. Because I mean,
1: yeah, it. And you're right, Nikki. It's not about. It's actually not about. It's not even addressing the underlying problem, which the underlying problem is a complete cultural shift.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So oh, we all yeah. have a part to play. But I think also speaking as a parent, I was just thinking back <laughs> when my children were young, which is uh, unfortunately a long time ago. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I suppose I was kind of like the opposite parent um, yeah. because I did actually go up to the swim coach and took him aside and said, you know, uh, actually, I don't think my son should be doing more training because he's very young and he's just done really well. So actually, we shouldn't be increasing the training. Um, You know, I have to admit that he didn't take it well at first, but, you know, I put it just like that in just a conversational way. So it doesn't have to be confrontation. I think that's a really important thing because otherwise nothing's going to happen. But, you know, uh, it's it's tricky. But also the other thing is if you do uh, know someone, if you do, uh, you know, Uh, you know, we're talking about the support team, you know, the the doctor, the nutritionist, whoever it is, um, you know, you could also ask to the teacher, oh, actually, could I, you know, you could all you can bring in reinforcements, if I can put it that way. But Mm -hmm. however it is, is it you'll have to judge what the best way is to go but avoid I and tell you one thing avoiding it it's not the solution um so somehow no. figuring out what's going to be the best way of approaching it and I think like Steph said those you know the the, the courses and, and the online videos and like that that's that's a good starting point which is fantastic
1: because I know that when I was a young dancer and you sound very similar to my parents Nikki where they <laughs> had no worries about sitting in an office with directors of a very prominent dance school and saying, this is not okay. Mm. Whereas most parents turn the blind eye in case it hurt their children's chances of, you know, making a company. My parents were the opposite. They were the ones that were like, "Mm, we're not putting up with this and something needs to change and here are the facts and blah, blah, blah. And what's really difficult is that I I um I wish resources like yours were around when I was a young dancer to provide that evidence and that to go in with backup. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah that's
0: right. The evidence, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, whether it's a, a physical person that you can ask for backup, or whether it's um, Steph and I recently published a study, for example, if it's some to give you more confidence as a mm-hmm. parent Definitely. that actually your instincts. Don't doubt your instincts. Yeah, you yeah know, I don't. Right. It's like, you know, my child is now not, has changed, is now really sad, Um, isn't eating, isn't sleeping well, or just things like that. You know, it's like actually there's some, you know that something isn't right, but mm-hmm. maybe you can't put your finger yeah. on it exactly. So have the confidence and trust your instincts. Um, And, you know, try and have that conversation
1: after I've thrown that very difficult question at you guys right at the start um, (laughs) let's let's get into female menstrual cycles as a sign and a marker of health um I'm just I'm finding it unbelievable that at the age of 30 I'm finally realizing this (laughs) and (laughs) I'm sure that there's going to be people that listen to this podcast and they may not follow your social media and come across this information for the first time. So let's go. Why should <laughs> we definitely be worried if at, you know, 18, we, we don't have our period yet? So, well, Nikki, before you, before you start, <laughs> I just I, I'm, say, ready, I just, I'm ready. I just, I'm ready. There. I'm ready I'm <laughs> ready. I just want to say,
2: um, uh, let's say, um, yeah, our most favorite thing about um, the menstrual cycle today is um, it's your monthly free check health check-in I love that it comes it comes for free it comes for free it's your health check-in if it's there that's a very positive sign so Boom. chances are you're really healthy well I think that we can jump that's
0: it I <laughs> know oh, but seriously <laughs> but, 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 it, it, but it's a, it's um uh you know I call I call these menstrual cycles the, the period um uh the barometer of your internal hormones so if you're, if you're healthy on the inside with your hormones, then the outside sign is having, uh, you know, uh, a monthly period menstrual bleed, whatever word you want to give it. Okay. Yeah. And so as Steph says, there you go. That's nature's way of telling you that's your dance training metric. Have I got everything, you know, my nutrition, my training, my sleep is everything, uh, right for me. For me, as in, because it's you, everyone's body is slightly different. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your friend is saying. If your friend says, "Oh well, I haven't had a period, and you know, I must be training harder than you," or I don't know, whatever, you know, great, good for her. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, you know, I'm fine. And when she gets the stress fracture, anyway, you know. So just have the confidence to know that periods are normal and actually not just normal they are a really important sign of health so, and you should start the periods um, even if you're a dancer however some it's true that some dancers and some athletes they might start slightly later the average age of starting periods is about 12 as we call it and it's true that dancers might be a little bit later maybe 14 15 but the absolute cut off is um well 15 16. We'll give everyone the, a little bit of leeway and say by the time you turn your, on your eighteenth birthday, you should have started your periods by then. So and you said you
1: there that oh, sorry. So you said there that, that you might, um, you know, experience stress fractures. So I, I understand what that means, but for a listener, why oh, sure. would why would somebody who um, hasn't started their period possibly be more prone to stress fractures?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, periods you might think okay, let's be frank, they can be a little bit of an inconvenience, right? Uh, totally. <laughs> you know, and, and you can have a little bit of uh, cramp and discomfort and you obviously have to plan in advance whatever salary, uh, uh where you're using. You know, so listen, I accept there are some practicalities about it, but hey, we're women organized dancers. That's not a problem, by the way, you can sort that out. Um, but you know, why are these periods so important because of the internal sign of your healthy internal hormones. And why are these hormones so important? And for women, um, one of the main things it affects is your bone health. So strong bones. And of course you need strong bones as a dancer. I mean, there's no way you can do point work. You can do, uh, you know, Allegro if your bones are weak, because if you land on weak bones, you're gonna get a fracture. And if you keep doing jumps, on uh, weak bones, then stress fracture. So the, you get a fracture because of the stress, you're, the load you're putting on the bones. Um, but it might not initially show up as a teenager, but it's sort of a ticking time bomb. If your periods haven't started, um, you might not get a stress fracture when you're a teenager, but then when you start maybe doing a little bit more training or you, you get your first, uh, you know, contract. Uh, pre-professional contract, that's when you might be at risk of the stress fracture happening. OK, so but listen, I think, Steph, do should we want to do, do we want to at this point wax lyrical about the importance of female hormones apart from bones? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think what I just wanted to say is um, most parents and probably also I've, I've, I've heard it from so many dancers as well, your age, um, Georgia, uh, like why did I have to turn 30 to finally understand what my period is actually about? Because it's, I think too many people still think it's just about reproductive hormones when it yeah. is absolutely not because mm. this system, the this system is so, let's say, multifunctional um, that yes one part of all of this is actually if you're having a period or not and that in turn can um, affect your bone health but it can affect your stress levels because mm-hmm. it affects your adrenals where cortisol is being synthesized and then released it affects your thyroid health just as much um which actually means um your thyroid or uh, the productivity of your thyroid is being down so it's not only that we are talking about um um reproductive hormones and in all of this somewhere there is for example growth hormone as well which facilitates adaptation to training so this is really why having a regular cycle is a health check-in it's not Mm. about reproductive hormones only they are honestly they're just part of it but it's so much more so that's and and Steph what
0: about um the 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 gut health and and the uh the mood and, and the cognitive function i know that <laughs> we're passionate I, about um, mentioning this I as well it. right
2: have, yeah absolutely i love that um i think um what's very often forgotten because we think in categories so there's physical health there's mental health and there's like maybe um um like nutritional help um medicine and there's psychology but honestly they are far more intertwined than than we really um, tend to think and having low estrogen levels, as Nikki mentioned, this can affect your bones. Yes. And then your bones can be also negatively affected by not eating enough and not getting um, enough vitamin D, for example, or enough calcium. Um, But then also if you're not having enough estrogen, we've got receptors in our brain that actually um, require estrogen to like dock onto them in order to enhance our cognitive function and our mood. So not having a period means you're having very low estrogen levels, which means, Mm. yes, of of course, you're not having your period. Your bone health is at risk, but also is your brain health, actually.
0: Mm. And then picking up the dance steps. If you're just not on it, you know how it is when you can't remember the exercise, right? (laughs) Yeah, we know that. I mean, listen, there can be other reasons. You can get, get distracted. But if you're just not sharp and you need to be sharp and on the ball, uh, you know, you need your good brain power as a dancer. And so that actually, for me, is one of the scary things that you can't dance to your best if we're talking about dance performance.
2: I I like to always um, say as well, you know, when we go and we watch a performance or a musical theatre show or whatever, um, then we want to see all these big emotions on stage, don't we? Yes. but actually, you know, lots of those on the stage are not able to express them really because you, you yeah, normally we say they, they are, yeah, yeah, we say they are low energy availability, but low energy availability is
0: one part of not having your period.
1: Everything's mm. and and just so intertwined.
0: Mm. The, the, the gut health, um, that's really important. And I think Steph and I see lots of uh you know dancers whose periods haven't started or whose periods have started and then stopped um uh you know they're actually presenting saying gosh i i just feel really uncomfortable bloated digestive issues because listen i think we need to say these hormones are amazing they work everywhere in our body so we should be Mm -hmm. really happy to have them and you know it can affect your gut and if you're feeling really uncomfortable uh you know bloated then that's that's not a great feeling either and it's not conducive to eating uh fueling sufficiently no and i guess Absolutely. this is definitely a a steph question in regards
1: to the fact you you must get so frustrated when you, you scroll through social media and see uh, a dancer or an <laughs> oh, don't influencer. Start. Look at uh, oh here we go <laughs> you know it, it's uh, you know telling everyone that they should eat in a particular way and yeah. everyone sort of needs to stop doing that because everybody's body is so different so different and it needs to be it's yeah like you you posted something this morning Nikki about or maybe it was last night I don't know about our time differences right now but (laughs) it was in regards to hormone health and some technology that's going to be able to
0: yeah I was just showing that to Steph earlier this week so um the best, the best sign of, oh, have you got healthy hormones for all women is, have, are you having periods? But yeah. even then, there are obviously, as you say, everyone's slightly different and individual and there are mm. sort of subtle variations. And, you know, uh, to have a, a full value of health for your menstrual cycle, you need to be ovulating yeah. and producing, you know, uh, quite a big amount of estrogen, for example. And it's difficult to know that without actually doing a blood test to measure yes. the hormones. Um, but obviously it's not practical for anyone to do a blood test every day of their cycle, is it? So no. we've worked out some fancy way, um, using math, maths to take, you just take just two samples and then using those two samples, uh, we can predict what your hormones were doing during that, uh, your cycle. So it gives you the extra fine tuning level of, mm. uh, periods, having periods. Yes. Number one, tick. If you need even further detail about that and the sort of people that Steph and I are working with, are we worried that maybe the person is having periods, but are we absolutely convinced that the hormones are doing what they should? Or are we trying to um, encourage the periods to return? And are they returning in a way where the person is getting the full benefit from their internal hormones? So that's something... um, we do in the uk although actually i was speaking to steph about this earlier in the week and potentially it is something that anybody in the world could do because all i need is the results of two blood samples and i'll put it into the 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 model and it will generate your personal uh profile of the hormones but um, amazing that's what that's about so if anyone's particularly interested in that then i think georgia you're going to put our details so that people can send me an email and and Uh, If you're not living in the UK, we can figure out a way. Steph and I were discussing this, (laughs) a way for people can do it. uh, Very,
1: very cool. Very cool. And just another example of just the the message that we need to get across is that everyone's bodies are so unique. And I guess as dancers who their body is their tool, it is just so important, even more so, that they understand that.
2: Absolutely, cool. it is. And I mean, I think it's also really important to emphasize that losing your period is the end of the spectrum, having regular cycles and the full benefits. So, you're really having, um, or you're experiencing ovulation and stuff. So, really, literally everything is as it is meant to be. That's the other end of the spectrum, but you can be actually anywhere. And mm. you can you can feel it already that maybe things are deteriorating, um, but you're not seeing it in the sense that you're still having some sort of cycle. Um, and I think really educating that to, to spot early signs, um, that is really so important. I recently had a dancer, she came to me and she said, like, look, I had a cycle and that was so It was not normal for me. It was so light. It was just so short. Mm. So, what do you think is happening? And that is exactly where it comes in.
0: Mm. I think this is the the thing, isn't it, Steph? It's prevention. Yeah, you know, don't. It makes it breaks my heart, and I'm sure you know. Every time that we see a dancer who comes and says, "Oh, I haven't had periods for five years, and now I've got a stress fracture," and uh, and you know, everyone said it was normal for me to not have a period. That is really makes me sad every single time. If only. You know, uh, that dancer had been, uh, you know, realized earlier uh, yeah. that, oh, actually, my periods are changing or something's not quite, you know, not quite right. If that had been picked up on sooner, mm. then she wouldn't have gone, like Steph says, down that spectrum to the sort of the, you know, the worst case scenario, let's be frank. Mm-hmm. So, people, so dancers listening to this, to be aware, you know, tune into your body and don't. Don't ignore things <laughs> and don't intentionally. Sometimes we know, I know what it's like. I don't, you know, we've all been there. You ignore it. You ignore injuries. It's like, oh, that's hurting a bit. It's like, ah, oh, it, it will be all right if I just carry on, uh, you know. Uh, those will deal with of it things. later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We all, <laughs> I, it's, that's life. That's understandable. But it's so important not to do that and try <laughs> and talk about it sooner than later, so we don't, you know. Then you, then it's a case of picking up the pieces rather than actually getting in there uh, earlier and preventing these negative outcomes. And what we're talking about is so the dancer can be the best dancer they can. That's ultimately
1: yeah. we're looking and for
0: they everyone can. to be there. The yeah. yeah they can and i really i think we we really have to give a
2: shout out to all our dancers um seeing us even though they are training in a really rather hostile environment Mm -hmm. they still really um can can turn into the best dancers and best and healthiest they can be despite the environment so it's just not as we yeah i would say you know it's not a dream the environment is not a dream and the situation is not a dream but nevertheless they can turn they can take care of their health they they are really the yeah let's say
1: the
0: master of the instrument right yeah yeah and and you know that takes a strong character right, to be fair you i know, was going to say our instinct, is not that our strong as a 15 is, year old our instinct, yeah exactly our instinct is to conform not to you know go swim against the tide or whatever yeah. but honestly, the person that knows your body best is you. If you're not feeling right for you, that is the most important thing. Does't matter what other people are saying or doing or what you see on social media, um you know, try and keep strong, however young you are, okay? Um, even I'm professionals
1: saying, in companies and professionals yeah.
0: listen, it's it's tricky. I totally understand it. And I'm not saying one should be. Uh, you know, argumentative just for the sake of it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to inform yourself, have the, get that good information, be confident that, you know, you do know your body best. And, and it's your body after all, no one else is, No one else is going to take care of it. So you have to, okay? So have the courage of your convictions uh, to do what you know is right for you.
1: I've um, heard you both say that it's really difficult to actually conduct research studies on pre-professional and professional dancers. So often you will look at the research involved with gymnasts. I wanted to know uh, what correlations you found from from doing such research.
0: Well, I think to make the first thing that Steph and I decided when we wanted to do a survey and find out what's going on out there is that we realized um, we would have to do it anonymously because there is still this, you know, you don't want to ruffle feathers or something. So um, that was the first thing, which is a shame because it, but anyway, so we sent out an anonymous questionnaire to ask dancers, you know, how they were doing, um, Mm. asking about how they felt about, uh, you know, their shape, their weight, their training, um, how many injuries they had, uh, advice or information they'd had, good or bad, (laughs) right, and of course... And then they have been told to lose weight. Yes, all these sorts of things and Mm -hmm. menstrual cycles. And actually, um, I mean, in some ways, I guess, Steph, it wasn't, we were kind of expecting we were fearing the worst, if I can put it that, like that. Yeah. And, you know, but this, it did prove to be the case that the, and I'll let Steph explain a bit more, but I think that the uh, important message here is like we're saying that the, listen, it's not We're again, this is not a blame game, but there are certain dancers who are in situations like Steph says that it's, it's really difficult environment and they'd be given not great advice, shall we say? Um yeah. But you know, to register that and accept that that's it, that's the case. And actually, Steph and I are really encouraged, aren't we? That lots of of uh, you know some dance schools are actually now using our questionnaire as a screening questionnaire because it's to the ultimately it's to the school's benefit if they do a questionnaire and they realise that some dancers are struggling, then actually that's the opportunity where to give extra advice uh, and support. Um, but I tell you the thing. Mm-hmm for me, that was absent from the study, which still amazes me every time, is how you think affects your hormones or your health. That was crucial. So if you are anxious about your weight, uh, anxious about missing training, pushing through the injury we discussed, that just having that mindset can affect your health. So it's this mind-body connection again. So mm-hmm. that is really so fundamental, the good education, the good information. Um, I think that's really, well, that was for me. That, that's uh, Seth knows this. Every time I look at that graph we made, I'm like, I can't believe it. Um, like that mm-hmm. is incredible. I, really I believe it.
1: I believe it 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, was this really mm-hmm. short, there was this really short period where when I decided that I was going to quit, I wanted to go to uni. I was going to go back to school. I wasn't going to be a ballerina anymore. And I'd made that decision, but I had to sit out the rest of the term, which was about six weeks or so. And I remember that change of mindset, like I'm leaving this place. doesn't matter what I do. I dropped weight. Like I, I naturally just lost weight. Mm-hmm. I, my body seemed to balance itself out. I was dancing better. Yeah. I was actually enjoying myself, God forbid. And, <laughs> and I remember almost thinking, almost thinking like, oh, maybe I should stay. Do you know what I mean? For a second. Yeah. And, and, but it was only because, and some of my teachers were like, you're dancing better than ever. Are you sure you want to leave? And it's like, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And, and so I believe that it was a complete, the only thing that had Mindset. changed was my mind. That was the only thing
0: that changed. Incredible, isn't it? And I was
1: dancing better, and it was. A, and you know what? Isn't that sad that I only experienced that for six weeks?
2: Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely,
1: hmm. absolutely. But and I mean, remember how it felt. I remember how yeah. that
2: felt. Yeah, and I mean, a hundred percent. During this time, you didn't feel great hmm. in a sense, but then again, you did because you did enjoy your dancing like you hadn't done done in a in a very long time. Um, but how we think, also, of course, um, affects. Our stress levels, and it we know by now that you know the higher our stress, the more our body is like, oh, I just want to store everything. And yeah. so um, um body fat storage is actually um linked also to cortisol or to stress hormone levels. So kind of that is not even a surprise, but mm. yes, how sad actually that before that you were so stressed that it would show, in a sense, that it got in the way of your dancing.
1: Yeah. And I guess, ladies, that is why my life's mission is literally just bringing people like yourself on and trying to just sprinkle sprinkle the good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think while, while you were talking before, Nikki, I was thinking about one of the reasons why I think it is really um, difficult for dancers to speak honestly and to speak truthfully is because say you're an athlete and say you um you know are the top of your field. You're in the top 10 gymnasts. Like it doesn't really matter who your coach is, it doesn't matter what country, you know, you know, you're you I was gonna say playing for, performing for, whatever. Yeah. I'm clearly such a thank you. I'm clearly such a sports person. Um it doesn't matter who you're <laughs> representing and who your coaches are and who's surrounding you. If you're the best, you're the best. Whereas if you're a dancer, there's no clear cut you're the best or you're first second or third so you don't really have a leg to stand on and you're sort of at the mercy of those directors do you know what i mean and that's well, i think what makes director, it just but, so hard
0: but but mm-hmm. that's the joy of dancing also
1: because the, we yeah. are
0: a series of i mean listen i'm going to get maybe annoyed athletes but it's not a fair series well listen i can quote my my russian ballet teacher she says You know, we're not doing a series of physical jerks. It's like, listen, you know what I mean. So, you know, uh, I know there are dance competitions. I agree. And when you are marked and scored and whatever, but generally the performance is, um, you know, how you feel it. And also in the eye of the beholder, the audience, ultimately, we're not a series of physical jerks. please. That's a quote from my uh, dance teacher, oh, I'm going to put that down uh, as your quote we are, about <laughs> art, we are about artistry as well of course yes. physical of course you have to have the technique you know you have to have the turnout you have to point your feet the, you know of course that goes without saying almost you know that's the fundamentals but then on top of that um, it is the artistry and the performance and that's like Steph was saying earlier that comes from where? Well, I was going to say your heart, but not literally, you know, it comes from your mind, you know, how you're expressing yourself, your artistry. Yeah. And so, you know, as, a, as an audience and Steph, I know, has said this before, uh, you know, we don't want to be sitting there in the audience looking at really ill dancers on stage. It makes me feel pretty uncomfortable. I want to be seeing. Yes, of course, dancers that look great, but also that are um, amazing me with their technique, yes, but also amazing me with their performance. Mm. So, you know, if you think ultimately, what are, we, what are we talking about? Dance, what are we talking about? Yes, physical, of course, but there's something more to it. So that's why how could it ever be that we can measure your, uh, your how good a dance you are of the weight on the scale of gravity? how can gravity define whether you're a good or bad dancer? Mm. Makes no sense if you think about it like that.
1: Yeah. I I want to know what changes you guys would like to see, if you could ma- wave a magic oh, wand. Rocky.
0: Where do we start, Steph? In- <laughs> we <change> the- <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So, you know, like I, I know that you're big, Steph, on timetabling and making sure that there's enough, you know, time for recovery. Um, for example, I myself have taken on... Your advice before and especially even this year like our timetable at my dance studio is very specifically laid out not really to do with the parent schedules it's completely to do with my dancers schedules so for example Mm -hmm. my older students I they have a very big um jazz contemporary day on a Monday And so I make sure that I wait until Thursday, which is because we're we're not a full time school. It's just recreational Mm -hmm. after school. But they also still take it very seriously. I make sure that my senior students don't have their ballet where I absolutely thrash them (laughs) until (laughs) Thursday, (laughs) until Thursday, because they've had two days to recover. So Mm -hmm. um, besides like a little bit more thought around timetabling and giving, you know, students um and and even professionals a chance to fuel properly what other sort of changes would you absolutely just die to see within studios or companies or
0: across the world well just to i'm whilst I'm just going to say something about nutrition i'm sure but the from the timetabling thing just to reinforce what you said just there georgia that in in uh sports we call it periodized training Mm. It means that you, uh, you know, it's the light and shade of the training and it's having an easier day, a rest day, ideally, because and it's not just so the body has time to recover, by the way. So the body has time to adapt and get better because it's not you don't get a bet. You don't become a better dancer while you're actually in the classroom. It's actually when you're recovering after you've done that class and everything is um, in terms of the hormones you're backing up, you know, the muscle strength. And actually also the, you know, as we say, laying it down in the brain, literally the neuroplasticity of the brain, remembering the steps and everything like this. So if you just train, train, train back to back, actually, ultimately, you're not going to get better. So just from a physiological point of view, um, that's why it's so important to have easier days and to mix it up uh, Mm. like that. So that's in, in, in athletics terms, that's called polarized periodized training, but Anyway, but basically, it's like you said, doing the jazz and then having a rest and doing the ballet is what it boils down to. Very important, especially for the, for the younger dancers to have the easier days. Steph, do you want to um, jump in about the nutrition there?
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's pretty much the same with nutrition, because if you have mm. uh, periodized training, um, you can actually adapt a lot better. And mm. at the end of the day, you need to spend less time in the studio overall
0: yeah
2: quality, um, because you are not, you're not you're not fatigued all the time and uh, you don't need to be shouted at that you have to do it once again because it wasn't <laughs> good enough uh, no seriously um that's yeah. the consequence um and um in terms of training i mean there are schools for example where um there is a break of 50 minutes after every single class which is amazing which is really amazing because sometimes they run a class for like 90 minutes so in lots of dances this means their glycogen everything that is stored to facilitate movement in their muscles is depleted by then so they have 15 minutes to refuel which is amazing and pretty much a contrast to schools where they are running five hours. So it starts with like warm up and then two hour classical class and then half an hour private and then a point class or, you know, whatever. Schedules can be so crazy mm. and they are not allowed to eat or, or drink anything in between um, anything than water. So water is usually allowed, lot, but um, yeah. So kind of, I think very often really, um, dances the dance world gets in its own way somehow um and it, it it is these small changes like having having adequate breaks after class and um definitely work closely with the healthcare team because i mean if you if if a student um learns at a school where that is quite normal so that's what they take up that's what they incorporate in how it should be so probably it wouldn't be such a huge obstacle anymore to seek help from a dietitian or to seek help from whoever. Sometimes it's even the physio over here because, like, why do you need to go to the physio, you know? Mm. Um, Really make it normal. Um, And I can only emphasize or, or repeat what one of the strength and conditioning coaches from the Royal Ballet recently said. He said, we are not there to make it harder for you he meant the ballet stuff in this case. We're not there to make it harder for you. We are actually here to help and to create dancers who can, you know, like who have a higher output, um, who can be better artists, who are healthier, who are happier, who have longer careers. That's why we are here. We don't, we won't, don't want to take anything away from you. We just love the art so much and we want to make it better.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, um, I absolutely love, Okay, so if you've changed my mind on something, I used to be a only water allowed in the studio policy. And then you said that it's okay to have sports drinks. Mm, (laughs) And that they are. Could you please explain perhaps why I've now changed my mind on this? Oh, well, (laughs) we obviously
0: convinced you, didn't we? You totally convinced (laughs) me. So let's convince everybody else. But I think, um, and um, you know, when we say sports drink, we don't yes. mean you have to go and buy something specifically with the label on saying sports drink. Yeah. It, means, yeah. it means, exactly, put some di- some orange juice, juice in your bottles. A juice, exactly. Make your own dance. We should call it dance drink, should we not? Yeah, Make we your should, own dance. Well, listen, there we go. we changed it. Dance Make juice. Dance, dance, <laughs> dance juice yeah we have it make your own hey we should anyway um dance juice <laughs> so it doesn't button. have to be exactly doesn't have to be fancy doesn't have to be expensive doesn't have to be complicated because i think stephanie see a lot of dancers and say oh well i don't have time to da, da, da. listen everyone has time to pour a bit of fruit juice exactly everyone has time to do that right and then you that's just a quick easy way um of taking on board some energy because yes i do understand you know I mean, uh, bananas and cereal bars are great, but if, you know, you have unfortunately got a pretty much back-to-back, we hope not, but then actually just you can easily be having a swig of your drink as you're yeah. going on, on the move, so that makes it so easy. Do you agree, Steph? It, yeah, absolutely. Dance, yeah, dance, it, dance juice, it, dance
1: drink. Mm, dance juice is great. <laughs> dance juice is great. Because, because you um, know what? I actually took this advice, not necessarily for my students, because, guys, I've done a good job of my timetable. They're good. Uh, <laughs> but, that doesn't mean I've done a good job of my timetable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my timetable as a teacher, and lots of teachers listening to this podcast, I don't know if they're like me, but I don't like eating in front of my students. Like, because I just, I feel like it's, um, uh, I, I mean, I don't I, I don't mean I don't like eating as in like, oh, I don't want them to see me eating. I mean, I'm just busy doing no, stuff, no, no, so no, I don't sure. get around it. I understand it. Yeah, that. I so want that to be professional. professional.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because yes. if I was sitting here talking to a patient and I'm munching away on you my know. sandwich, Yes. I don't know it's it's oh yeah it's oh whatever it just I feels wrong on the on, on the one hand I suppose it could you could argue oh it's a positive message I'm eating something but exactly it yes. looks like you're not really focusing on what's going on so I totally understand mm. that but yes. you'll actually make a very good point as a dancer yep. and also as a doctor because we I feel exactly the same as you there were days when I was in the hospital and then it was looking at my clock it's like oh my god what happened to lunch yeah. And that's yes. not good, by the way, because yeah. then I'm a less efficient doctor because yeah. my brain mm-hmm. also starts to go a little bit fuzzy. So, mm-hmm. and you'll make a very good point. This is advice not just for the dancers, but actually for you teachers uh, out there. You need to look after yourself as well to give a good class, yeah. right? It good. gets
1: me through. Oh. Because- Gets me through my busy afternoon, and and I don't know why I have deprived myself of dance juice for so long. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Bray, um, no, it's it, it's really amazing because um this means they can even though um the glycogen is probably. Talking about dancers again, the glycogen is probably depe- depleted at some point. They keep um, being in carbohydrate; they keep dancing in carbohydrate burning models, which really is important. And again, I emphasize this quite a bit because as soon as they switch to fat burning models, which is technically possible for the body, mm. but it means it puts more stress on the body because even fat mm. needs to be turned into glucose, into a simple sugar, nice. before it can actually be used by the muscles. Um, and this in turn, so fat burning models in turn, increases cortisol again. And we just, you know, five minutes ago, we just talked about the negative effects of high cortisol levels on uh, body composition. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's smart. Yeah.
0: And also in the longer term, uh, if we want to get really technical, if you, if you keep encouraging the body to burn just fat, then actually it me- means it's less efficient at burning glucose. And yeah. now you have your, your performance, your dance competition, whatever it is, And you need every single gram of glycogen on board. But your body is out of. First of all, you haven't got any glycogen, and then even if you did, uh, your body isn't so well used to using that. So Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's training, training all as training is everything. It is, of course, what you do in the studio, but it's also you have to be. You know, as a disciplined dancer, not only do you have to be you know, do everything in the studio to your best ability, you have to do everything in your ability in terms of nutrition, and recovery and sleep and all these sorts of things. It's part of the whole package. It's not Oh, there's dancing, and then that's it. It's everything you're doing, actually outside of the studio, or in between going from one studio to the other, those Mm -hmm. are the crucial bits. It's like in triathlon, Uh, you know, they have the three disciplines, the swim, the bike, the run, Right, but guess what's really, really important—the transition between each of those. How quickly can you get your wet shoes off, uh, off and get onto your bike? How quickly can you get off your bike and onto the run? So it's actually—it's taken for granted that what you actually do uh, during those three disciplines. Of course, you've practiced that and trained, done that. But it's the same for dancing. It's of course what you do in the studio is super important. But actually, what's going to really uh, make the difference is what you do uh in between studio and studio and in between uh dance classes.
1: So true. It's a really it's a fun way of thinking about it. Yeah, that's it's a good way. I just thought of that. Yes. Um, <laughs> we've got all sorts of thoughts, guys. Dance juice jumping offline. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. transition, yeah, off guys. Um, oh. No, but um Steph, I'm gonna give you an example and then you can carry on from here. Okay. I'm a mother. I've got a, um, a daughter and she's dancing and she comes home and, and you know, she has a, her dinner and she wants another serving. And I'm like, oh, my God, like she's a dancer. Like she should be watching what she's eating and she's eating twice the amount that I'm eating. Take it from there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh,
0: oh, calmly, calmly, calmly. Yes.
2: Yes. no it's fine it's fine it's, it's, it's a very very common scenario yeah. actually it's um, very common and, and it's nothing yeah.
1: that the parents fault i'd no fine, not isn't. at all yeah
2: not at all usually it's really like um most of these moms they haven't had an encounter with a dietitian and yes. um you know uh, let alone a sports dietitian um and so Most of them don't have a background in dance. So how could they actually really be aware of specific needs for athletes? I'm just going to say athletes now. How could they be aware of um, that it's not the recommendation for the general population, which is um, on average 45 years, very often male, um, has a sedentary lifestyle, is very often obese and overweight. So how could they know this is not the same recommendation? Um, And um, so... To all these moms, I, I can just really say, try and get into sports nutrition or dance nutrition, and then you will
0: understand that
2: it's totally fine to have the second serving. Yeah,
0: because, yes, because they they're growing. It, it is, they're growing. It's not just their dance demands. It's a yes, different age. Right? And so even if there's even a parent, because uh, when my boys were young, um, you know, I like to think I was doing quite a bit as well. I was doing dancing and swimming and other things, you know, but nevertheless, um I would never question that they would need of course they would need more than me even though I was doing a reasonable amount of exercise because they're young and growing I don't want them to stay really short (laughs) right so you know um so that's as a parent I'm just saying that's my experience yeah even if you think I'm a really active parent I'm using a lot of energy that's great but children they need more full stop Definitely.
1: How important is it to identify as the student and the parent low impact and high impact training days and like feel accordingly? I reckon that sentence, some parents and students actually wouldn't understand what I just said. So how would you explain that, Steph?
2: Um, I think most schedules that I see actually don't have these days. They have classes which are low impact (laughs) and uh, classes which are high impact or high intensity um it i i rarely come across anything um of like low impact days or low intensity days um so i think it's this is it it pops up in i think almost every single one of our online courses that we need to know what actually is low impact exercise what actually is medium and what is high intensity and what does it mean and what does my body burn and then in turn, how do I need to fuel my body to keep up this level of um, intensity? Um it is um I think it is still too common that too many people, including everyone, um like dancers, teachers, um parents, doctors, it's like, oh it's dance, it's nice, you know? Yeah. Cute.
0: Mm. It's cute. Yeah. Um,
1: so,
2: yeah.
0: It's just wafting. It's just wafting, right?
2: Yeah, okay. exactly. So ah oh, she's not gonna burn much. And I mean it, it also it totally depends. Like if you're if you're going to pass um, one of an, one of all those exams you want to pass, and it's just like next week, probably um, your training load and your training volume they are just much higher, as you know the time of the year when you learn start to learn a new syllabus. Um, so really knowledge about training intensities is crucial, I would say, and then also you know that how you. Uh, how you need to fuel accordingly because if you are having ninety minutes classical class and it's like the run-up week to the exam, then you know that is probably it starts with medium intensity and then the latest when we are at leg row, it's going to be high intensity and you know then you know oh I do have an increased need of carbs and I really should make sure that I fuel maybe I should even fuel within this class depending on. Um, how you're feeling length of the class. And so, so there are so many ways to be so smart about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I definitely break my week up even just as a teacher into high and high impact days Mm -hmm. and low impact. And, and it's so funny when I'm at the studio Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is my big teaching days. And Mm -hmm. especially my adult ballerinas, they're so funny when they walk in, they're like, you're always eating. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, and I literally, I make a point. I'm like, Because I'm busy, I've got so I've done so many classes. Like you got to keep. I got to. I tell them I I don't want to be hangry for their class, so I I have to make sure that I'm that I'm you know eating in that 15 minutes before adult ballet starts. So, no, it's so important, and it's just part of this entire holistic view of a dancer that I guess we're all really fighting for instead of just the the really basic wafty. Mm-hmm. That
0: that we're being fed constantly. So, but even at the bar, if I could just say, mm. of course, when you feel it yourself in terms of intensity, we're talking about heart rate. yep Yes, we know your heart really gets going when you start on allegro. But actually, at the bar, even though your heart rate might not go as high as allegro, mm. you're still using a lot of muscles, aren't you? Yeah. You know, you're using all of your body. It's a bit like um, in you know, comparing it to other sports again, um, you know, like windsurfing, you're actually quite static. You're holding your position, but you have to use all your muscles, right? Mm. To hold. You're not actually physically waving your arms or moving your legs, but actually that uses up a lot of energy. Mm. So I think that's the other thing to bear in mind uh, when we're talking about intensity, traditionally that's on heart rate, but also remember that even when you're doing the bar, you're using, well, hopefully you're using all your muscles in your body, <laughs> aren't you? For your posture, for your touch. You're using every single muscle, I hope, right? If you do um, a plie properly, I, that is hard work. Exactly. It so is. That's what I mean. It, but yes, you are right. Like Steph says, we're meant to make it look effortless. But that doesn't mean that it it's not. And listen, you can also, it depends how you you can do a plie without thinking about it. No, 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 no. But, you know, all the thing if you really push down through the floor and engage your muscles, you are, it's a full, uh, uh, doing one plie is quite a big workout, you know. So I think also remember that, uh, that uh, if you're, you know, really quality training and really thinking about your technique for every single thing you do, mm. and then actually, you know, then dancing is right up there in terms of energy demands.
1: I, mm-hmm. find, I find one of the hardest classes I take during the week is pre-primary ballet. Yeah, bloody those bloody fairy runs from the corner up on Demi Poi.
0: I'm exhausted. Oh yeah, the hard mm-hmm. work. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, exactly. It's hard work.
1: Um, lovely ladies. It's the Balance Ballerinas podcast. So I always ask my guests to leave a tip or your sort of thing that you do to keep some sense of balance in your life. So who wants to start? Have you got got one up your sleeve? <laughs> I
2: think Nikki, we have kind of similar I would say because we are pretty much interested in loads of other sports so every now and then it's not the right thing after a long day in clinic to go to the bar and maybe listen to someone who is just going to repeat what you you know like um Mm. so we are working quite a bit on the grim side of dance I would say every now and then um cycling running for me it's skiing quite a bit um, it's just my go to to relax and really disconnect from the dance world and then I come back refueled and uh, yeah then I'm I'm the best doctor nutritionist that I can be um for my dancers I would say and I think Nikki it's kind of similar for you isn't it yes
0: I think for me uh yeah exactly it's fresh air I mean unfortunately not the skiing here in in London, but, um, yeah, but uh, uh, I like, I've got a bike. I like to go out, you know, uh, get some fresh air on the bike. I can do a lap around Richmond Park if anyone knows London. Um, uh, um, that actually is my probably favorite thing. Sometimes I also go swimming um, because I like the feel of the water. So, yeah, just something, uh, something outside, really, uh, something different. I mean, I like windsurfing, but it's, again, it's tricky <laughs> in, uh, in London in lockdown. But anyway, um, so something that's different um, and outside, I think, because that's the thing about uh, dance. Uh, I mean, unless there's that open air st- um, theatre, Jacob's Pillow isn't there in, in the US, but there aren't so many things that are open outside so I think if you're a dancer get get outside and get some get some get some air um that would be that that's yeah that's my go-to yeah
1: there's a a retreat that I ran in 2019 and unfortunately Mm. got cancelled last year and probably again this year but it was the perfect blend of ballet Mm. and beach so nice yeah well that's the
0: best
1: one (laughs) in Byron Bay it was so good Um, wow it's been an absolute pleasure. I love all your work. Thank you for everything that you've done. Um, throughout all my research, though, I couldn't work out how you two became friends.
0: <laughs> oh, so how did you begin working no, together? Can, we were very sitting together. Sorry, it is. We were at um, I Adams, uh, the Helsinki. dance conference in Helsinki. Um, uh, and we were sitting together next door, you know, uh, during a presentation, and it was just really weird, because I noticed this person that was nodding at the same time as me, and I noticed <laughs> this person that was putting up their hand at the same time as me, and we sort of looked at each other, and it's like, oh, hello, what are you going to ask? Are I feel I understood. It's like, yeah, exactly, it's like, oh, this is really... Uh, so it was during that stuff, we had a nice, you know, mm-hmm. we just realised that we had so many uh you know interests and thoughts that were so aligned and it mm-hmm. was at that meeting we said well at that conference then we we said we should really do some research together wasn't it and then after that mm-hmm. we kept in contact and we went ahead and did the the mm-hmm. um uh, that DAQ. research project that we got published and now we're working together um and yeah we're a good duet aren't we <laughs>
1: Oh go well, you definitely are, and I'm so glad you met and I'm so glad I asked because I couldn't work out. I was like, how do these two like hang out like, it, was, where
2: you- <laughs> it was it was by chance it was by chance, but it's really I find it's a funny story I love it I love
0: Listen, it it is it is um really great if I have not said this before, Steph. It was so great that we did make that connection then
1: um, because
0: then we really are uh, working with Steph and doing this together um you know, I feel we're really hopefully making a difference
1: mm.
0: uh, and giving the support to dancers, the parents, the teachers uh, that, you know, they, they need. It can feel really
1: lonely, can't it, this work sometimes? Mm-hmm. And and I guess that's, you know, one of the reasons why I even started my podcast a few years ago was because I feel like I'm collecting a community of like-minded individuals that, that you know, are aligned mm-hmm. on the same path and and it makes... Makes you feel when you come up across, you know, some roadblocks, it makes you feel less
0: alone. So, no, that's definitely mm, right because isn't it? Steph and I exchange texts or messages when we, it's like, get the, oh oh gosh, have you seen that? And it's like, oh, what yeah. do you, oh, oh professional. It's like, oh, what do you think about this? That's yes. also great to have. We're talking about teamwork, and it's really mm-hmm. great to have someone in your corner that you know you can just send them a message or, or whatever and say, hey, what sh- what do you think about this? Have you seen this? Um, so it's great to have that. Um, Uh, you know uh, link up so that we can Mm -hmm. as you say exchange ideas and uh, we keep each other on our toes right Steph (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely
1: well it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much ladies for your time thank you so much
2: thank you Georgia thank you for having us
0: yeah thanks bye